May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. I remember when I first properly heard this gospel and particularly Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I was about nine or ten in confirmation class at that time, and I think we had read a little bit earlier um, one of the non-canonical gospels, the gospel of Thomas, I believe it is, that speaks about Jesus in his infancy and youth. And the story we had read had been the story of Jesus and his friends making clay pigeons and then Jesus breathing over his and them flying away. And my first thought was, I would not have wanted to be his friend. Showing off like that. We all out here making clay pigeons, but you got to have yours fly away. And so when I came to this gospel, I think that I still had a little bit of that feeling about Jesus, you're going to be showing off that you are God. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My initial reaction was, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you are God, you know that you are going to rise again in three days, and then you're going to ascend to heaven, so it's all well and good for you to be saying, forgive them. What about us? It would be harder for us as pure, pure humans to have that same sense of seeking forgiveness for those who harm us. How could we possibly say that right at the time of our death? And I remember my confirmation teacher, the Reverend Anthony Gann, who was the most amazing confirmation class teacher. He was so wonderful, in fact, that our class voted twice to postpone our confirmation because the classes were so much fun. So we thought we would wait. We, I think we were in confirmation class for almost 18 months. It must be a world record. But as I spoke to him about it, he said, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle with God's words and to struggle with how can you follow Jesus' path. But I encourage you to, in those times of struggle, to be looking for people, people who might be a little further along this path of following Jesus' teachings than you are, and maybe get encouragement from their words and actions. And then came to recognize this reading as part of one of my favorite services, a service that we don't do very much in the Episcopal Church in this country, but we did at home, which is the seven last words of Jesus, 
which when I was growing up was a service that was the whole afternoon Good Friday. We would be in church for the whole afternoon because the seven words came with seven sermons. So it was not my favorite service when I was growing up. But it became one of my favorites as I got to hear how these people used the words that Jesus said on the cross to encourage and challenge and comfort. So does everybody know the seven last words? Y'all all just looking blank at me like, she's going to ask me. I know she's going to ask me. Okay. The seven last words. Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Mother, behold your son. Son, this is your mother. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thirst. It is done. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So as you see, the first, uh, the first two of those last words are in our gospel. And I have come to love that service where we hear those words and hear both the challenge in those words to us but also the encouragement in those words for us to live into being the body of Christ. And when I have struggled, I have taken Father Gann's advice and looked to the world, to others, to see people who are further on their journey than I am. And I have been fortunate to always find examples. One of my favorites, and if you had come to the Holy Week um, speech that I gave, you will have heard both of these examples. But the one is Bishop Malusi Mpumlwane, who is now the General Secretary of the South African Council of Churches. But I first got to know him as a young activist during the anti-apartheid movement who worked with people like Steve Biko. And for his activism, he was in and out of jail. And he tells the story of one day when he had been arrested and was being tortured. And he said, as I lay there being tortured, the words that came into my head could only have been words placed there by God because my prayer was, Lord, they need us to help them reclaim their humanity. Lord, they need us to help them reclaim their humanity. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That he, in this time, was able to pray 
for the humanity of those torturing him. And anybody who knows me will know that that would be a struggle for me. My family knows me as the queen of holding grudges. There are still some that I have from elementary school that I am asking Jesus to work with me on. So to have that example. And then the other is from the mothers of the Guguletu Seven. The Guguletu Seven were seven young men from Guguletu Township near Cape Town who decided that they wanted to go and join the liberation movement in exile. And they met somebody who told them he would guide them to go and join the movement. But he was in fact an undercover police officer and he set them up for an ambush. And so the day when they met him, when they thought they were leaving the country, they were met by police and military and all killed. And so their mothers went to the Truth Commission to try and find out what was the whole story behind their children's death. And the police officer who had set them up also went to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to apply for amnesty for his actions. And he received amnesty, and then he asked if the families would be willing to meet with him, whether the mothers would be willing to meet with him so that he could apologize to them in person. And they agreed. But they said, you know, we are going to meet with him, but he better not think that we're going to offer him forgiveness. We're going to meet with him, but he better not think that we are going to look, with, look at him with anything more than hate or derision when we look at him. Oh, we'll hear what he has to say, but he better know that there is no peace in our hearts towards him. And so they met with him. And they asked him, how could you, a black man, set up young black men to be killed? How could you, as somebody who knew the experience of apartheid, be the one setting up our children to be killed? And he apologized and he told them his story. And at the end, one of the mothers said, my son, my prayer for you is that you live a full life. My son, to the man who was responsible for the death of her son, my prayer for you is that you live a full life. Truly, I say to you, this day, you will be with me in paradise. And so we look and know that these others who are a little in front of us in this move of following Jesus are members of that one body with us. 
that they are members of the very same body that we are, whose head is Jesus, whose firstborn from the dead is Jesus. And so we can look at those and feel encouragement and challenge from the lives that they are living. Encouraged to think of ways that we can start taking those baby steps to being able to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it is into that body that we welcome this morning those to be baptized, to let them know that they are part of a body whose head so loved the world that he died and not only died, forgave those who killed him. And that they are members of a body with people who say, Lord, they need us to help them reclaim their humanity. Who say, my son, my prayer for you is that you will live a full life. That we have brothers and sisters who have listened and lived out the, the words of Jesus. And so whenever you who are to be baptized feel challenged, remember that you have brothers and sisters who have walked this way and have set an example for us following the example of Christ. Amen.